0: Welcome to the New England Football Show presented by Mortgage Right. I'm your host, John Serenitas, and as always, I'm joined by my partners, Kevin Stone and Adam Kirkchin No guests tonight. You're stuck with the three of us. Too bad. Get over it and like it. You're still going to get quality football talk. I'll argue you're going to get better football talk when the three of us are on than anybody else, but we still want guests, so if you're interested in being on the show, feel free to reach out. Anyway, gentlemen, how are you this evening?
1: Good, good. Doing good. Starting to look at the schedule and and plan ahead already for September.
0: All right. Pump the brakes. It's January 30th, all right? I mean, what is – settle down. You're already tightly wound tonight. You're all fired up. Like, relax. Mm -hmm. Just slow your roll, dude. Before you go on your rant, though, Stone, I do want to remind you that if you know anyone who is looking into selling their current home or buying their first one, feel free to give our good friend Herb Divine a call at MortgageRight, 781-254-2846. You can also reach Herb at situate.mortgageright.com. He and his team are available to answer any questions you might have anytime, including nights and weekends. Herb is the GOAT, my friends. He's one of the best in the business. I am in the real estate business myself. I have been for seven years. It's hard to find good people in this business, believe it or not, even though there's a lot of people in this business, oftentimes finding the right person matters and it can be tough well i'll tell you this if you're looking for a quality lending loan officer who can help you in this process herb devines that guy he's got 25 years of experience give him a call or shoot him an email today and he will help you get the process started all right gentlemen we're going to start this week's show by talking patriots shrine bowl they're out in vegas this week of course uh the majority of the staff is out there coaching the west team uh, Troy Brown, of course, is the head coach. You've got Mike Pellegrino out there, Brian Belichick, uh, Ross Douglas, they're coaching. Uh, uh, Belichick, Bill Belichick and Bill O'Brien are also out there coaching. Uh, we've been getting a lot of stuff coming out of there. Of course, the Shrine Bowl, Eric Galco and his crew have been uh, generous enough to uh, include us in the cut-ups. So we're getting the cut-ups daily. We're getting access to the press conferences through their Twitter handle. But um Patriots doing a lot of work of course there was a video circulating of Bill Belichick working with some guys uh you know to me look i think this is belichick in his element this is what he loves people were amazed that he's 70 years old and he's out there coaching up guys that's who he is man he's a machine he loves this stuff he lives for it that's why he's the greatest coach of all time that's why he's still doing it that being said We've talked ad nauseum about why this is an important week for the Patriots. We talked about why it was an important week for Troy Brown and the coaches coaching in this game. But to me, I I think it's a more important week for the organization. An organization, especially after yesterday, watching Kansas City and Cincinnati, there's a real talent gap in some areas there. Uh, They need to find guys. They need to do their due diligence this week to try to identify guys that could be draftable players or players they could sign as priority free agents. But Instead of focusing on what the Patriots are going to do here and what they're going to get out of this, when we can do that um, throughout the offseason here, I want to focus on the three local guys that are in Vegas that are that can play in the game. If, at the very least, they're going to practice. Zay Flowers, wide receiver out of Boston College. Jaden Woodbay, safety out of Boston College. And Truman Jones, edge out of Harvard. Just some thoughts real quick on what you're seeing there, what you're hearing, and and. Do you think that these are three guys that could really elevate their stock this week? So it's nice
1: that everyone's finally caught up um, on Zay Flowers and and finally seeing what he can do both nationally and locally. But um, look, by all accounts, he's, he's impressing the staff there with, you know, the practice time that he has had. And um, it's not surprising. Now, the one thing that was surprising, at least for, for me, that he said yesterday was that he's never ran a forty. First yeah, of all, I thought he, that was
0: interesting that he's never yeah. run the 40. I, he said, guys, and, you, and I thought his, and I put that in on the piece I did this morning about it. I thought his answer was a little quirky, too, in that he said he's never run the 40 because he was playing basketball. I'm like, well, wait a minute. I, I understand that might have been your primary sport at one point in high school, but you mean to tell me in Florida where sports are essentially year-round, at no point did you not run the 40? I thought that was an interesting answer. Yeah, no, and
1: he said he only ran – or he's only um, timed 10-yard splits. So that I just found that kind of that entire um, kind of sequence very interesting but look he, he's making his way up the draft board and I still think he's gonna be a first rounder if the Patriots don't take him at 14 I don't think they will obviously I don't think he's getting back around to them so um, he's gonna be probably the the earliest local guy taken but uh, Truman Jones is what's you know most interesting to me just having covered Harvard as much as I did this year man he's a moose and I tweeted this today on the field he's a wrecking ball but off of it, he, he reminds me a lot of Dietrich wise. And John, I know you had a chance to talk to him this year as well in the Walker room at times, just, you know, very really low key, nice guy. You don't think, you know, aggressive defensive lineman when you talk to him off the field, but he's just a really nice guy. And um, I, I can't wish anything but the best for him. i um, hoping he goes early too, but yeah, it's nice to have some local names and, and nice to have them kind of making a, making a statement about, you know, doing good football at, at that level, especially with the Patriots coaching staff.
2: I agree with you, Kev. Um, And obviously you've, you've covered those, all those guys a lot. Um, So people should be listening to what you have to say on them because nobody's seen them more, uh, especially in person. But um, with, with flowers, it's, I think it's validating what he already has on film. Like, it seemed like Flowers, at least once or twice a game, would get deep and split the safeties and catch a 50-yard pass. And a lot of times, well, that won't necessarily translate into the NFL. But I think his ability as a deep threat is, is there, and I think he's an outstanding receiver. Now, I'm curious to see how NFL teams want to use him do, do they want to move him into the slot? Do they want to keep him on the outside? Because I think BC did a pretty good job of getting him to do the be- things that he was best at. And I think that is really good for teams to get an up-close look you know, at, at being able to, you know, again, like it seemed like every game there would be like a post route where he would catch it for like 50, 60 yards. And um, – and I think that's a skill. I don't think that's just pure athleticism. So uh, I'm I'm very interested to see what he does going forward and how teams want to use him.
0: Yeah, I think it is. It's going to be interesting too. I mean, I think when you look at him, you know, Kevin, you mentioned that you think he's going to go in the first round. I do too. And and I'm not going to get into. We've covered him and we know him. And 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 look, we know that we have covered him for the last three years, and we know Zay both as a player and as a person, and I think a lot of people that are going to be covering him moving forward in the area are getting to know him now, but we've gotten to know him pretty good the last three years, and, and I've always felt in, in covering him the last three years that there was first-round talent there, that elite ability to separate and stack defenders. You saw last year he makes that insane catch against Louisville, in double coverage, Jakovic threw, kind of just threw it up there to him, and he makes this circus catch in between two defenders and scores. That's not a routine play for Zay Flowers, but when you see Zay Flowers in space, his ability to break a defender down, start, stop, redirect. I mean, he has an elite-level skill set. And, and if this is a guy that's 5'11", feet, he's probably a top 10, top 12 pick. But you're talking about a guy who's 5'9", and change, And I think that's probably going to hurt his stock a little bit, but I still think this is a guy that could go anywhere from 15 to 32. I think he's a guy that is is a player who could walk in from day one and make an immediate impact, whether you play him in the slot, whether you play him at flanker. You could play him a little bit at split end, depending on what personnel groupings you're in and, and what formation you're in. He's a guy that you can run jet sweeps with, fly sweeps, reverses. He can run a full route tree conceptually. He can do so many different things. And I think that in this day and age, especially with teams being more spread heavy and and using 11 and 10 personnel and 12 personnel, I think having a guy like him who can generate matchups for you and be a playmaker in space, I think is vitally important. And look, if he slips into the second round, then someone's going to get a steal within the first 10 picks of the second round because I just think this kid to me he he's a he's a first round talent. If I had to put my money on it, now it's too early to say too. Keep in mind he's not going to play Thursday night. So a lot of what happens to his draft stock moving forward is going to be tied to the combine and his pro day. But I do think that if he if he times well at the combine and if he has the kind of pro day we think he can have then this is a guy that, again, like I said, I think he goes between 15 and 32. At minimum, he goes 24 to 32 in that range, in my opinion. But when you look at that speed-skill set combination, um, he he has elite-level potential. Now, as far as the other two guys, Truman Jones had a hell of a day today, and I wrote a piece about this on New England Football Journal. Check it out on anyfootballjournal.com. He had a heck of a day. And I think, you know, I went back and I watched him in one-on-ones and I watched him in an inside run. And I was really impressed in both periods, especially inside run, because for me, he was so fundamentally sound. And when you look at the guy, he's 6'2 and change, 251 pounds. He doesn't have the length that teams like out of those edge guys, but he is a guy that is so technically sound. He can play The run, when it's at him, he can play the run away. He does a great job of staying patient, staying square, shuffling down and reading the near hip. And then as a pass rusher, he has really good get off. He can jump on a tackle's hip with that first step, but he does a really good job of sticking his foot in the ground and redirecting and getting into a secondary move. So I think he's a guy that's going to get drafted. I really do. I think Truman Jones is a guy that could go anywhere from rounds four through six. I really believe that, if not higher, depending on – how he does at his pro day. Uh, Jaden Woodbay from Boston College Safety is a guy that I think a lot of teams like because of his versatility in this day and age where teams are looking for what I call three-by-three safeties, guys that can play three downs at all three levels. Uh, I I think he's a guy that kind of fits that mold. He can be a matchup piece. A lot of defenses nowadays like playing three safeties. So he's a guy that I think – isn't getting the attention necessarily that Zay Flowers is or some of the other local prospects, but he's a guy that I think is another guy that's going to get drafted because, again, that versatility, even though people think that it's out there in abundance now with with safety, linebacker, hybrid types that can play in sub-packages, I still think if you don't have the ability to play at all three levels, I think it's tough. I think he's a guy that can do that, another guy that we've seen Play a ton. Now, as far as the Patriots, and and I said we weren't going to get into this too much in terms of who they like, who they don't like. I will be having a piece out uh, later on this week on Wednesday on some of the players to watch on the East and West rosters that are Patriot fits. I know you could find that anywhere, but I I will tell you this I always look at it from a schematical, philosophical lens. I'm not just going to throw Zay Flowers out there because he's Zay Flowers and he can run fast. He's got to be a fit. I'm also not going to throw him out there because he can play in the slot. That's That narrative now with receivers and the Patriots is lazy, in my opinion. But what do the Patriots need to get out of this? From from a, from an evaluation standpoint, what do they need to get out of this in order for this to be a successful week for this coaching staff being there? For me, it's the off-the-field stuff. Like, I want them to actually get
1: to know the younger athlete. You know, we, we always talk about them – um, not being able to draft receivers, and that's one thing. And, and this past draft class, you could say it was a hit. I would say it was. But overall, the past—I don't know—call it five years ish. It just feels like they're not. And I don't want to say fully invested because that's clearly not the case. I mean, they have a full staff that's always, you know, dealing with draft stuff, and and it's a year-round thing. But do you know what I mean? Like it just feels like this is an option or not an option, and an ability for them. To really get to know the college football player now, do you know what I do? You know what I mean, like just off the field more so than on the field. I want them to know what they're getting between a walker room guy um, and the talent too. It's just they've turned this down or or something like this with the Reese Senior Bowl a bunch of times, and it's nice that they actually took this you know this opportunity and and they're trying to fully kind of engage in the draft process this year. And I could be way off, but it just feels like that, that has are. been – it has been maybe as much the case as years past, but I me- I, I think
0: I, I think you're off because I don't think that it doesn't mean that they weren't invested in the process in previous mm-hmm. years. You got to remember now. I mean, we've had a 20, 22 year run here where they were either in the divisional round or the AFC Championship game or the Super Bowl in any given year. So th- th- there was really no way cool. that this staff can coach in these All Star games. So. Mm-hmm. I think to say something to the effect of, "Well, it's nice to see them invest in this." Why? Well, I, I disagree only because they haven't been a pos- in position to do this. And look, you can you can look at this their involvement in this East West Shrine Game however you want. There are a lot of people out there that are saying, "Well, Belichick is desperate." The reason he and his coaches are coaching in these games. Demarcus Covington is going to be coaching on Saturday in the Senior Bowl. The reason why they're the, him and his coaches are coaching in this game is is because. They haven't made the playoffs. They're getting desperate, and they're looking to find talent. That's fine. If that's what is, if that's why you think they're doing it, that's fine. That's part of the reason they're doing it. But the idea that the reason why prior to the last three years they haven't drafted well is, is because they didn't coach in these games—that's just simply not true. That has nothing to do with it, in my opinion.
1: No, I don't think it's that. You know, obviously. Sorry, I just want to finish real quick. Um, again, I, lack of a better term, I said you know invested. It just feels like doing this, or going about it this way. And again, I understand they couldn't necessarily take these jobs, you know, over the past two decades or whatever. But it just feels like this gives them the ability to really immerse themselves, maybe more than they've been able to. Oh yeah, no, that is time. the
0: be- that absolutely that is the benefit yeah. of it. And I, and I think look, the other reason why it's beneficial is it's giving coaches like Troy Brown and Ross Douglas and yeah. Pellegrino and Brian Belichick. It's it's. It's giving them an opportunity for a week. And Brown talked about this the other day. You wrote about it. It's giving them an opportunity to have an expanded role and, and to get that much-needed experience that they're going to need if they want to advance in their careers. So uh, I, I definitely think it's one of those things where it's, it's not
2: only beneficial for the organization but the coaches. Go ahead, Adam. So I think, um, I think they're always detailed in what they do, and this allows them to be even more detailed and more thorough because I think that's just how they operate. You, would, you wouldn't draft a guy like Kyle Duggar if you didn't have, like, a deep yeah. knowledge of college yeah, football. Absolutely. So, I mean, so, like, I, I really feel Those like – Those are the
0: hardest guys to evaluate, and you know that. Those are the hardest yeah. guys to evaluate. You don't oh, draft a guy out of Lenore Rhine if you don't do some serious legwork. Yeah.
2: so I think, you know, this gives them a chance – to either confirm or deny the stuff that they might already know. Maybe not those coaches in particular, but the organization. Because I feel like if they if all they get out of this is as a as a fully solid thing on, on a guy they want to draft, if it's just one guy, then it's then it worked. You know what I mean? Like you wanna see they probably have notes upon notes on all these guys already, and now they get to talk to them. They got to see how they, how they practice. They get to see what their eating habits are like. I mean, the whole thing. So um, I think it can only be a positive. And, and if they find a guy there who they didn't know about and that they really liked, then that's even better.
0: Yeah, and I think for me, look, when you when you look at the Shrine Bowl in comparison to the Senior Bowl, a lot of your first-round talent in these All-Star games comes from the Senior Bowl. The Shrine Bowl is where you're going to get your second, your third, your fourth, your fifth-round talent. That's – that's where you're going to get your your other starters and your depth from. So in many ways, DeMarcus Covington is going to be coaching in the senior bowl, so they're going to have a presence there. He's going to be coordinating. But I think for me, in many ways, it's more important for Belichick O'Brien and the rest of the staff to be at this game on Thursday night because this is the game where you're going to get your your B players, if you will, out of it. When you When you talk about roster construction – you have your A-listers, your A-players, you have your B-players, your C-players. And so for me, this is where you're going to get a lot of your B and C guys. This is where the middle and the bottom of your roster comes from is an all-star game like this. So you, what, to your point, Adam, you want to do your due diligence on a lot of these guys because these are guys that might not necessarily be, be first-rounders, but these are going to be high-value guys that you're going to take day two and day three, day three especially. And this is what I think makes the NFL draft so uniquely different than the other three major sports is that every single round counts. You're not going to get a player in every single round of the baseball draft. You're not going to get a player in every single round of the hockey draft. And you're certainly not going to get a player in the, in, in the most times you, you probably won't get a player in the second round of the NBA draft. And that, that draft is only two rounds. Yeah. So uh, I, I think to me, that's what makes the NFL draft so uniquely special. Is we've seen it, right? I mean, just look at this Super Bowl. You, you know, everybody's going to focus on Mahomes and 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 Hurts and the quarterback matchup. Well, Mahomes was a first round pick, but he wasn't a top ten pick. Hurts was a second round pick. But then look at some of the other key players in this draft. They went later in the draft. You know, uh, Brown from the you know Brown the receiver from from Philadelphia. You look at Travis Kelsey was a fifth round pick. Like. Those are your two best playmakers at their respective positions in this game, and they were not first-round picks. And so that's why I think that it's so important to be at a game like this for the staff because it's going to give them an opportunity to evaluate players that are going to be going in days two and three of the draft. You are watching slash listening to the New England Football Show presented by Mortgage Right. I'm your host, John Serenitas. As always, I'm joined by my partners, Kevin Stone and Adam Kirchin. And before we pivot here and shift gears, I do want to remind you that if you are looking into selling your current home or you're a first time home buyer and you want to get pre approved for a mortgage, give our good friend Herb Divine a call at Mortgage Right. You can call him at 781 254 2846. You can also email Herb at situate.mortgageright.com. He and his team are available anytime, including nights and weekends, to answer any questions you may have. All right, gentlemen, let's talk some college football here. Boston College unveils their 2023 schedule tonight. It's pretty interesting. Coming off a 3-9 and nine season, we know how big this upcoming season is for Jeff Hafley and this coaching staff. And, Kevin, you wrote a piece about it on New England Football Journal. Check it out again on anyfootballjournal.com. You are pretty confident here. Now, I know a lot of people around these parts think you're a B.C. honk. Uh, Some would label you a B.C. tongue bather. Others would label you – they might go as far as calling you a B.C. ball washer. But here's the the thing. thing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, in both instances – I'm not going there. This is a family (laughs) show. Anyway, yeah, I'm going to drop this, all right? Now, you seem to be pretty confident with this schedule. All right, Because we were kind of joking around before we went live um, about how some people around here thought that they were a national title contender last year. Credibility, out the window. Uh, Anyway, I'm going to start with you, Stone. You're the resident BC guy here. And then Kirchin and I will, will give our viewing slash listening audience our take. But you seem to think that this schedule is set up for them to have a pretty good rebound year.
1: Yeah, first of all, I grew up going to Northeastern Hockey Games, so... I have zero ties to BC. Uh, but, yeah, look, I Even mean. Even
0: worse. <laughs> um, look, <laughs> Who was the- there? You, your dad, and what? Family and friends? Yeah. Um, Does anybody care so- about college hockey outside of the beam pod, by the way? Let's be honest. Go I, ahead. I, I can't wait. Uh, you know, look, four the first six games you're at home. You got Northern
1: Illinois, Holy Cross, Florida State, and Louisville. You know, that's how you're starting. Well, four, you have, look, you're going to go 2-0, ideally. You start against Northern Illinois, and Holy Cross. Holy Cross is going to be a much tougher game than people will give it credit for. Um, except for us around here, obviously. Northern
0: Illinois is going to be a tough game for them too. Thomas yeah, Hammett's no, done a pretty good job there. Yeah, but go ahead. I'll give. I'll. I'll save my thoughts when it's my turn. Go ahead. You open up ACC play at home against Florida State in week three.
1: It's it's a nice little spot to have. Now it's. I think that's their toughest game of the year by far. Yeah, Florida um,
0: State's going to be really good.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but again, it's week three. so you're catching a team early that might not kind of know what it is yet. Um, after that, you're going to Louisville, but then you come home for Virginia. It's not a, a terrible stretch right there. Um, you're at Army, then you get a buy in week seven. That buy in week seven for them is huge. If you remember, I think it's each of the last two years or at the very least last year, that buy came very late for them when they were already banged up. So um, that's a really good time to have that buy. You then have uh, – you go to Georgia Tech, but you have, a, again, a week off now to prepare for that game. UConn at home late in the year, I love. I love that that's late in the year again. Hopefully team, both teams have something to play for. Syracuse on a Friday night is going to be tough um, on the road, but then you come home for Virginia Tech. Um, November 16th is my favorite game on the schedule. It's at Pitt. It's a Thursday night. I love that the ACC put that to COVID game in prime time. Hopefully he's healthy. Hopefully both teams are playing well, and then you close on a Friday night against Miami in late November. Again, hopefully both teams are playing for something, and and you get some weather out of that. But man, compared to some of the schedules that they've had since Halfley's been here, I, I can't see them not winning nine games at the very what least. what yeah. Uh-
0: what no, so nine games. I also know it's have you not eight. learned anything? First of all, no. I've got Kirk here trying to jump through the screen with that noise, <laughs> and then I've got you
2: sitting here now. What what? Kirchy, hey. you gotta jump
0: in here, dude. You gotta talk some sense
2: into this cat. No, I, I no, I, I don't think that's crazy because I, I, what? I, I no, I, I don't think it's crazy. If there if it was eleven, then maybe I just think I my experience with BC is Getting above that seven-win threshold is tough, and that's where I'm coming from. I I just don't think they're ready for that big jump yet. A lot would have to happen. But you look at the schedule, and the way I look at any schedule at this point, which is way before spring practice, before the summer, before fall, all that stuff, I I try to group each game into games they should win, 50-50 games, and games they should lose. And really when you look at the schedule, the games that they should lose – pile is much smaller than it usually is look there's no clemson here
0: yeah which is huge
2: which no, is here. and even i mean look they should lose they should lose to florida state florida state's got everybody back from a uh, a top 15 team and they'll probably start the season either top 15 or t- even top 10 i've seen in some places but that game's at home you know uh so I think, I but think you're
0: getting them at a time of the year where they're going to be comfortable. Yeah, you know what of I mean? course. I'm not if if you're home. getting them in November, like you have in the last few years at home, then depending on where they might be at the weather, you might have a shot. I know. I'm, I'm not but, saying but you're right. I'm
2: not, say, I'm not saying they're going to beat Florida State. I'm saying that the fact that it's at home is helpful. Um And then, but really, I think this schedule is kind of backloaded. I think it all comes down to that UConn game. Uh, you know who they lost to this past year then syracuse virginia tech pittsburgh and miami i think that home stretch is gonna say whether or not they are a nine win team or they're a seven or six or an eight with you know one of those but I, i i don't think it's a crazy tough schedule because they don't get clemson and you know there's there's only one florida state like team on you know florida state's that team other than that they don't have a ton of heavy hitters on that, so they'll be in a lot of these games. But again, as as a, a people would, would tell me when I did this for BC in the past, they'd be like, "Yeah, but all those teams are looking at BC and and they think that's a win too." So, um, so I just think you know, I, I I like Kev's enthusiasm. I don't share it necessarily, but I do think. Yes. But I eat it know.
0: stone. No,
2: but what I do think though is that this schedule is potentially something that they can make a big move on, especially if they fare well. If they go two and two in those last four games, maybe they are one and nine.
0: Oh, man, I, I should change the format of this show. So I'm not the only, I'm not always going last. <laughs> um, not not that what you guys have said is tough to follow up because it's not. I Look, I, I get the enthusiasm. I get Stone's enthusiasm. And I think if you, at first glance, when you look at the schedule on paper, you're right. I, yes, they could win nine games, but here's the thing. And, and you bring it up, Adam. They don't have to play Clinton, which I think is huge. Stone, you brought it up. No Notre Dame, which is huge. But you're talking about a team. And I think we have to look at this objectively. And we're going to get into this a lot more as, as we get closer to spring ball here in the coming weeks. But I, I think that this is a program, though, that's going through some major changes. And in many ways, We're not really going to know how they're going to fare with this schedule until after spring ball. We'll have a better idea. But for me, there's a lot going on with this program right now. First of all, the uncertainty in offensive coordinator, we don't know what's going to happen there. And if we don't know, chances are a lot of people don't know. Okay? So there's that. you got to replace the entire secondary, a very good secondary that started a lot of football games for you the last three years. You've got to replace them all. You're going to replace a lot along your front seven as well, a lot of key contributors. You're still going to be relatively young along the offensive line, even though you're getting Christian Mahogany back. Emmett Moorhead played well down the stretch of the at quarterback, but he's going to be a first-time starter, full-time starter. That's going to matter. Your skill group is still going to be young, even though a bunch of them played this year. And you're coming off a 3-9 and season, and you had a more talented team coming into last season – that in theory you're gonna have going into this season. So while I understand the enthusiasm and yes, they can win nine games, and look, you win nine games, you're you're probably playing in a pretty good bowl game. You're not gonna be playing in one of the early ones. You're probably playing right around Christmas or right after Christmas, and you're probably playing in a bowl game with some cachet. But my point is this, I, I think it looks easy on paper, right? And I'll go through it real quick. Northern Illinois, yes. Game they should win. But as I mentioned earlier, I think Thomas Hammock's done a great job there. MAC program, they're tough. They're well coached. I think they play them tough. Holy Cross to me, Holy Cross will play them tough, but I don't think they can win this game. Now, if this was this year's Holy Cross team that we just witnessed, they might have a shot, but I don't they, see it. I, Boston College is better. I would say they did be favorites this year. Let's not get carried away. They wouldn't be favorite. Now, Florida State, I, I agree with both of you. They're going to lose that game. I think Florida, Florida State's good. They're very good, and I agree with Adam. I think they start the season, quite honestly, in my opinion, I think I think they're going to start the season as a top-10 team. I don't even think they're a top-15 team. I think a lot of people like them. I think Mike Norvell has finally gotten his systems in place, and we know how important systems are. Nick Sirianni talked about that in his introductory press conference. And, look, he sounded like a buffoon, but he just got the Philadelphia Eagles to a Super Bowl. But Norvell has got them ingrained in what he wants to do now. And you have Travis back at quarterback. You got a really good skill group, a good defense. They're going to be tough. At Louisville, winnable game. Malik Cunningham is gone. Monty Montgomery is gone. They don't have the talent that they had. They're not going to be as good. Uh, Versus Virginia. Look, the thing with Virginia is they're a rebuilding program. Dealt with tragedy to finish off this season. That's a winnable game. Now, Army's tough for me because... Of the option game, right? I mean, you got Jeff Monken, really good coach. you got to go to Mikey Stadium. They should win, but that offense gives people fits. Stone, I agree with you. The buy comes at a great time. Then you go to Georgia Tech, new coach, winnable game. UConn is going to be an interesting game because both teams could have a lot at stake. If UConn stays healthy, they'll be better than they were this year, and they got to a bowl. In my opinion, that's going to be one of their tougher games on the back end. Then you go to Syracuse, which has been a house of horrors for them. It's been the equivalent to them, what going to Miami has been for the Patriots in recent years. Uh, Then you come home for a Virginia Tech team that I think is going to be much better under Brent Pry. And of course, William Watson is at Vod Tech. He'll be, that'll be his homecoming. Hey, you never know. He might be the starting quarterback in that game. Who knows? Uh, Then they go to Pitt for the Djokovic Bowl. I think that's going to be a really tough game for them. That's, that, in many ways, is probably their toughest game other than Florida State. And then you come home from Miami, who had a really disappointing year. They just fired Josh Gaddis as their offensive coordinator. A lot of – it's a very tumultuous situation there. But if Mario Cristobal, if he can get this talent on the same page, that's going to be a tough game. So when I look at this schedule – Kirkson, how many wins do you see, by the way? You kind of – you didn't give us a number. Stone I'm was not, bullish on nine. I, what are you I'm, giving I'm
2: I'm gonna say
0: seven. I'm gonna say seven as well. I'm gonna say seven as well because I still think there's there's five games on this schedule that they could that they could lose, that they, they could lose against Florida State. I think they could lose to UConn. I think they could lose to Syracuse. I think they could lose to Virginia Tech. I think they could lose to Pitt. I think they could lose to Miami. I yeah,
2: do. I think I think I think the overarching theme is we we. What we don't know is that like 95% at this point, you know, like even after spring ball, there's a lot that we're not going to know about any of these teams, but, but you're right. But, but I mean, the thing is, you, you look at that Florida state game, that's a tough game. That's a, that's a, that's a a dominant team uh, coming back. They got Travis coming back, everything. But like, other than that, a lot of these games are kind of toss ups right now. Like there's not a lot of games that are, pure losses on the schedule because look right now the ACC doesn't feel like a totally deep conference but um but I I think it's it's going to be interesting I think I think it's going to be a fun schedule to see play out
1: the uh, the other thing real quick too is if you look at their road opponents compared to what they've had to deal with again going to to Death Valley and stuff like that none of those atmospheres are truly you know kind of again what they've had to deal with like a Virginia Tech, like a Clemson, so uh, I do think they you'll see them potentially be a better road team this year as well.
0: No, I agree. Yeah, they're not. They're not exactly going to a place that's tough to play. Right. But but look, and again, I, I nine wins is not out of the question. But I think a lot has to fall in place for them to win nine games. And and, and if they win nine games next year. Then, then hell, that that was a hell of a job by Jeff Halfley and the staff, particularly in the spring. They will have they will have to really bust their asses this spring to get their installs in, to get these kids to a place where when they break spring ball on, on April fifteenth, which by the way they announced today that the Jay McGillis Memorial Spring Game will be on Saturday, April fifteenth. We'll be there covering it for you. Um, but I think if they could break that game with everything they've wanted to install in and, and they're executing it at a high level, and then I think life will be a lot easier going into fall camp in August. But I do think that I want to, I, I like your enthusiasm, Stone. I just right now, given all the changes with this team, I can't see nine wins. I still think they're going to be young at some key spots. And I think that could be a problem. They have a lot of talent on the roster in the secondary, but how do you, you know, you're replacing a Jason Matry, a Jaden Woodbay, an Elijah Jones. I mean, it's hard to, you're talking about some guys that have been some key contributors for this program the last three years. You're not replacing four starters that easy in the secondary. I think it's, they're going to have their work cut out for them. All right. uh, Of course, Wednesday is national signing day, big day for our local division one programs that we cover I, I do think it's important to understand the difference between early signing day and, and national signing day. A lot of programs did their work early, BC, URI, Maine. I think on Wednesday, you're going to see UNH do a lot of their work, Holy Cross, Bryant. Uh, they did some work back in December as well. Um, and I think you're going to see the other D1 programs in the region do well. And of course, UMass announced today that Don Brown is going to be meeting with the media on Wednesday, to discuss what they've added in the transfer portal, as well as some other recruits. Uh, I wrote a piece about this uh, about a week and a half ago on what what UMass has done in the portal. And at that time, they had brought in 15 guys in the portal. And we've talked about this ad nauseum. So I don't really want to get into you know UMass and going into the portal. But I want to talk about real quick what they brought in the portal. We know what they did last year. They were a disappointment. I think we all thought they'd be better than 1-11. Uh, but when you look at what they did in the portal, or what they've done in the portal, I should say, so far. It's pretty impressive. But, again, is it going to be enough for this team to take meaningful steps and be more competitive? That's always the question with this program. So I'm going to ask you both, based on what they've done in the portal thus far, do you like what they've done, and is there anyone in the portal that intrigues you that you think could step in and make an immediate impact for them?
2: I think, yeah, I mean, look, I don't know if how much of this is by design and how much of it is just how it's gone, but they they've gotten. I mean, they're going full on with the portal. And when I look at guys that they're bringing in that I want to see, uh, Tyler Martin out of BBN, no. who had that eighth no. grader. He as an eighth grader, he had an offer from Michigan, um, and I saw him a lot in high school. And he's just a He's just a butt kicker in the middle of the field, man. He will he, he will hit you and
0: uh you could say ass. Ass kicker <laughs> sounds better. butt kickers a little weenie.
2: <laughs> all right. So whatever. <laughs> um, but I, I feel like, you know, linebacker has been a has been sort of a problem area in the past for them. Not just this staff, but just in general, like the giving up yards in the run game. So I think he's the type of player that they need. Um and there's been times when they've they've been good against the run, but I, I feel like linebacker has been a spot where they just haven't had the the, the quality where you, you, you always wanted to have. Um, whether or not this makes them truly comp- – it's hard to say at this point. A lot of these guys I haven't seen in a while. But I think this is if, – if you're only going to sign like six high school guys on the first signing day, you better get a lot in the portal. Uh, and I think that's – sort of where they are as a program right now
1: yeah adam i'm glad you brought that up because on the last saturday don brown quickly addressed it without even being asked he said look you know i know we only have six guys on this list it is going to grow and clearly it has um i'm most interested to see what they continue to do on offense you know obviously quarterback is still a question they need some more talent at receiver you're gonna have to replace uh, ellis merriweather there's a lot that they still need to do on offense so that's kind of where I'm looking at on Wednesday and, and kind of seeing what Don Brown has, has up his sleeves. But it's funny. We talk about, you know, Bill Belichick being in his element, you know, coaching and stuff. I bet Don Brown can't wait to get these kids on staff and, and just get his hands on them and, and start working with them. So um, it's good to see that they've been this active. They didn't really have a choice, um, but it is good to see that they are, they are fully, you know, kind of committed to, to bringing a new wave in and, and trying to fix this.
0: Well, it's interesting because when you look at the work they did in the portal last year, it was focused on defense and improving the defense. When you look at what they brought in in the portal this year thus far, the focus is clearly on offense. You mentioned quarterback. They had Carlos Davis out of Western Carolina, uh, Tyson Fomishon, Bridgeport, Connecticut kid from Georgia Tech. He right now, in my opinion, and and, I, and again, I it's very early, and I don't have any inside information, but I you would imagine – that if this is a true quarterback competition, he's probably the favorite, I would think. Um, Davis will have a shot as well because he's experienced. And of course, you bring back Brady Olson, you bring back Gino Campiatti, you bring back Zamar Y. So they have they'll have a deep quarterback room, but this is going to be a real true competition that quite frankly, I don't think gets resolved until in, until you go into week one of the of the regular season. I think it's gonna be like it was last year. Um Fomishan is a talented kid. He he comes in. He's, he was a four-star recruit that originally signed with Clemson. Then he transfers to Georgia Tech. He hasn't had a chance. He played for Clemson a little bit, did okay, didn't play much at Georgia Tech. He hasn't really gotten a chance to be the guy, but he also hasn't done enough to be the guy. So it'll be interesting to see if he seizes this opportunity and does that. I think wide receiver was a position that was an issue for them last year, even though they had some guys back with some experience. They they attempted to address it. They brought in four in this group with Christian Wells, who's transferring from Appalachian State. Anthony Simpson, who's coming in from from Arizona. Sean Harris, who's coming in from Stony Brook. And Mark Pope. Mark Pope is the most interesting guy, in my opinion, that they're bringing in at receiver because he's originally a Miami commit, transferred to Jackson State to play for Deion Sanders, barely saw the field last year, didn't play last year. So... He's a guy that's really intriguing. This is an offense that lacks playmaking ability. He's a guy that can come in and give them some of that big play explosiveness that they lacked last year and that they've lacked in recent years, really. They haven't had it there for a long time. Pope could potentially be that guy. So they're reimagining their receiving room. This is going to be a completely different group of guys. Now, you mentioned Ellis, Mary Weatherstone. I think that they have enough depth at running back that they could replace him then they may not replace the player per se, but they definitely can replace the production. And I'm with you, Adam, on um, on Martin. I think he's going to step in and make an immediate impact. He's got four years of eligibility left. You also have the Wiggins brothers, both of whom played at Central Catholic, Jaden and Jermaine. Um, of course, Jaden started at Arizona. He's transferring back. Um, I think it's a situation where they could play for you right away. And a guy that I would keep an eye on, who's an experienced piece who could come in and give them what Jalen Mackey gave them last year is Jerry Roberts out of Arizona. Second on the team in tackles for the Wildcats last year, well-versed in Brown's defense. He's a guy that's highly productive, a guy that I think is draftable in 2024. I think he could step in and make an immediate impact for them at linebacker. You add Martin, you, you You bring back some of what they had last year. This is a team that should be better. They in my view, when you look at what they added in the portal, they added some quality here. They didn't just add, they didn't just pick up 15 guys that had nowhere to go, so they decided to come to Amherst. They added guys that I think could step in and help. And I think this program needs it. Now of course, as I mentioned, Wednesday is a big day for a lot of the local programs. I mentioned Holy Cross. We'd be remiss if we didn't talk about Bob Chesney getting an extension. I know, uh, Stone, you were all over this uh, at the end of last week. It, it, this is interesting to me, right, because a lot of the feedback when you wrote about it, Kevin, was, okay, he he signs his extension, Holy Cross values him, they're paying him, he's going to stick around. And, of course, some of the commentary was, well, it's coaching. He He might do a year into this new deal and then leave if the right opportunity comes, which is true, we know that. But just some thoughts on this extension. Are you surprised by it?
1: No, well, first of all, people need to read before they react. Um, I never said he would be, you know, sticking around forever or anything like that. But, but look, I, I I was a bit surprised, um, but it is through 2028. So, look, I think there's a, a true kind of willingness between the athletic department and Chesney to build this thing, to continue building it, and ideally, you know, get to a national championship. That's really the last step that this program needs to take. So I think that kind of shows – Clearly, he got a bump in pay. We don't know the numbers. Um, but I think that kind of shows a little bit more commitment to to making sure that they see this through. But do I think he's here until 2028? No. Does anybody? No, probably not. But it does show that they are, for right now at least, very committed to trying to get this thing to that, you know, that top level that they almost reached last year. I mean, they're a quarter away from going to the Final Four. So this team is a lot closer than people realize, I think, and I think the athletic department is kind of starting to realize that, too. And by showing Chesney, you know, hey, we're willing to to bump up your pay or whatever, you know, the deal entailed, they're fully committed to making sure this thing has every opportunity to to see its way through and, and complete the job. So um, good for them. It's good for us, obviously. Um, dealing with Holy Cross has been phenomenal these past three years. But, again, do I think he's here for the whole contract? No, probably not. It's how college football works now, but I also do think he's very, very committed to making sure that this team has every chance to win a national championship.
2: Yeah. That's, that's pretty much what I think Kev. um he, I mean, you, you do whatever you can to keep him. Obviously it's not going to matter if a year from now, you know, BC gets rid of halfway and they come to Chesney, like, you know, then, then he's going to be gone. But I mean, it, it's, it just shows that Holy Cross is appreciative of what the guy has done. You know, the guy the guy has taken Holy Cross almost as far as possible can possibly go. I mean, they played um, South Dakota State better than most of the teams the rest of the way. I mean, they're a tremendous team. They're super well coached. He's a great recruiter. Um, he really knows how to identify talent and, and incorporate it into his program. Um you know, he's he's just put on a master class of coaching while at Holy Cross. So I think he do, he deserves every bit of the extension. And when he goes, he goes. There's nothing you can do with, about that. I mean, the guy's a great coach and the secret's out.
1: Yeah, John, real quick, too. Let's not forget that he has Matt Sluka back, too. I mean, that, that doesn't hurt anybody's decision-making.
0: No, I'm sure he'll be in the mix for – he'll be a Walter Payton. Pre, he'll be on the Walter Payton preseason watch list, I would think. Um, Yeah, I I don't think, look, I I think this is Holy Cross rewarding him for what he has done and what this program has accomplished the last four years. And and do they want to see him stay there until 2028? Of course. They wouldn't give him the contract if they didn't. But I think that everybody knows that if the right opportunity comes along, eventually Chesney's going to go. And I know sometimes people will say, why do you guys keep saying that? Why do you keep pushing that? It's like a... I've had people say to me, what do you guys want him to leave Holy Cross? No, it's not that we want him to leave Holy Cross. It's just you've got to be objective in this, in these types of situations. This is the coaching landscape now. This is college football. Guys are moving. Coaches are moving. Players are moving. This is what is happening in college football now. And so eventually it's going to get to a point where Chesney's going to outgrow Holy Cross. But until then, I think he's going to continue to field competitive teams. I think that he and his staff are going to do a terrific job recruiting. They're going to continue to add talent. And, and I think that this is a program that's going to be in the driver's seat to win the Patriot League again next year. I don't think collectively they may be as good as they were this year. That might be the best team he's going to have there. Um, but I do think that, in my opinion, as long as they continue to recruit the way they are, they're going to, they're going to be in the mix to host a playoff game every year. They're going to have an opportunity to advance. But I'm not quite sure that Holy Cross will ever get to the level of a South Dakota state, uh, a North Dakota state, a, even a Montana state. I'm not sure they're ever going to get to that point. When you look at the FCS blue bloods, guys, it's hard. You've got you've got to be a place that recruits well, but you also have to be a place that's attractive to transfers. And and the thing is, there's some there are some limitations here with Holy Cross in terms of. It's a very strong academic school, but I also don't think it's it, – Chessie's not a guy who, who's going to live in the portal even if he could. The point is those other schools can live in the portal, though, and I do think that they're going to have some built-in advantages that Holy Cross doesn't have. That being said, I can see him sticking around until 2025, and then after that, who knows. But, again, it will ultimately depend on how they do this season and if anybody comes calling – um that hasn't happened yet but i I do i do think it's a great sign if you're a holy cross crusader fan that chesney's making a commitment to sticking around i think that's really important and look they didn't just give him an extension i'm sure that they probably gave the assistants some pay uh, bump in pay they're probably going to put a little bit more money into the program now there's usually more to this than just the head coach getting an extension and more money the school's also making other commitments as well of course as i mentioned wednesday is National Signing Day, so stay tuned with us on uh, nefootballjournal.com. For that, it's a busy week for us this week. we got the Shrine Bowl on Thursday and, of course, the Senior Bowl on Saturday, so we'll have plenty of coverage for you throughout the week. Of course, you're also seeing a lot of high school programs, fill Head Coaching vacancies. We'll be covering that as well this week. Um, Real quick before we go, I do want to get your thoughts on the AFC and NFC Championship Games. Uh, Were you surprised that these are the two Super Bowl teams, were you not? And, and then I'm going to follow up with a question regarding Mahomes versus Brady. This will be in your wheelhouse, Stone, because I know how much you worship Brady. But uh, thoughts on the AFC and NFC championship
2: games? I think I was um, not too surprised. Just because I, I picked the other two teams winning. But I fully felt that these are the best four teams left. Or, or these, these are the best four teams in the league. And like the right teams are in it. I don't think there's, like, any shocking stories coming out of it. Like, the Eagles have been good all year. Kansas City's a wagon. Um, so I think it'll be a good Super Bowl. And I think, you know, I you know, it's too bad that Eagles game wasn't even competitive. But, um, you know, I, I, th- I thought the KC-Cincy game was entertaining, if not totally satisfying, because there was so much involved with the refs. But overall, I thought it was a good weekend of football.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, once Purdy went down, uh, I, th- I think everybody pretty, pretty much felt the game was over at that point. But, um, look, yeah, Philly's been Philly's offense has been that good all year, and I'm not surprised that they've been able to maintain it. I, I have been a person that's always kind of thought, you know, defense wins championships. But at this point, the way the NFL and really football in general is working, it's just you've got to be able to score points. So I'm not surprised Philly's there. Um, the call the, in the Chiefs and Bengals game, last night i don't know if you guys agree but look were the referees bad all night yes was it the right call yes i mean he shoved him in the back and he's out of bound so um but i know I'm, I'm with you adam i think it'll ultimately be a really good super bowl and i do think it'll be high scoring and i think philly ultimately wins in the end
0: yeah I, i'm not surprised that it's philly and kansas city i thought san francisco would have played better obviously their quarterback situation was a disaster. Brock Purdy gets hurt, tears his UCL. He's going to need Tommy John surgery. Um, Josh Johnson comes in, and once that happened, I mean, journeyman quarterback played for 15 teams or whatever. They have no shot at that point. Um, but I also think Philadelphia, despite the fact that a lot of people knocked them because of their schedule and whatnot, they earned the opportunity to be there. and And they proved all season long that they were the best team in the NFC. Look, would I have loved to have seen Joe Burrow and the Bengals get back there? Yes, but Burrow throws two picks. Ron Torborn and his his crew had their head up their ass. They give him a redo play, and then you got Osai pushing Mahomes in the back after he was out of bounds, and that sets up Kansas City for the game-winning field goal. Butker nails it, and they're going back to the Super Bowl. Uh, I hate this matchup, uh, and and I know people are going to say, way to be professional, John, and I don't care. People could say that I can't stand this matchup because all we're going to hear the next two weeks is about Andy Reid versus the Eagles, uh, the Kelsey Bowl, um, other storylines. Uh, you know, the you know the quarterbacks being black and all this other stuff. Look, the game's going to come down to the two teams and and who plays the best, who minimizes the mistakes, and who ultimately takes care of business. And, and to me, it's not going to be about the Kelsey brothers facing off against each other. It's not gonna be Andy Reid getting a shot at his good good friend Jeffrey Lurie and getting redemption for being fired. And the skin color of the quarterbacks to me shouldn't matter. They're both uber talented dudes that in my opinion are amongst the best in the league and that's what we should be focusing on. I think at the end of the day, it's gonna be a really good game. I'm gonna probably be going with Philadelphia. Their opening is a two and a half point favorite since technically gambling will be legal tomorrow. Um but I think, I think to me, it, it probably is the two best teams in the league this season that are left standing. And I think they're going to give us a hell of a game. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Like I said, my early feeling is that I'm going to pick Philadelphia. Real quick, I, I wanted to talk about Mahomes in comparison to Tom Brady. Look, I'll be the first one to say it. I think it's nauseating that he's already being called a legend, and the national media loves him. He he is the most popular athlete in professional sports, in my opinion, right now when it comes to the media. All that being said, you can't deny the track record. The Chiefs have gone to five straight AFC Championship games. All of them have been at home. He's going to his third Super Bowl in five years. I mean, the, guy, the guy is on a legendary track. I'm not sure I'd call him a legend already. I mean, he's already been put in Canton depending on who you talk to. Tony Romo certainly thinks he should go to Canton. He's comparing him to Michael Jordan yesterday. I mean, what a putz he is. But anyway, as I was going to say, Stone, you're the resident Brady honk of the three of us. We all love Brady. We all know what he means to us and what he means to New England, even though I think he's going to continue his career. And sadly, I think he's probably going to end up in San Francisco now. But um, you're the resident Brady honk. Are you nervous? that Mahomes might be threatening his career. We don't know how long Mahomes is going to play for. We don't know if he can stay healthy as long as Brady has. But are you getting nervous that that if he wins it this year, that's two now, are you getting nervous that he, he might start to threaten Brady's place in history?
1: Absolutely not. And you actually <laughs> just said the reason he's why.
0: Different.
1: Look, he's not as much of a scrambler as maybe we all kind of make him out to be but there's always so many years that he's going to be able to run around and do what he does. So I don't think he's going to end up having the longevity that Brady had for starters. Um, and I also don't trust his coaching. Look, for me, this is about – I go back to Andy Reid, and people need to pump the brakes on him. He's been to a bunch of – No, no, no,
0: don't deflect. This is about Brady oh, yeah. and Mahomes. Don't and make this, this about Andy Reid because you know, no, here's what's going on, Stone. You know that Mahomes is starting to pose a threat to your boy, and you're deflecting now. You're no, deflecting. No, it's
1: his line. I genuinely think, again, if I could finish my point, Andy <laughs> Reid's been to how many conference championships? He's been to, he's right. won one Super Bowl. Correct. He's won one Super Bowl. But this so, isn't
0: about Andy Reid. No.
1: This is about God. Mahomes
0: versus Brady.
1: Correct. But with that coach, I'm not sure if he's going to end up holding him back or not. He very well might. Andy Reid could
0: crap yeah, his I don't fantasy. think he's going to hold him back. I, I don't think Mahomes. I don't think Mahomes is the player he is if he's playing for someone else. To be honest with you, I still think he's a very good player. But, but I pretty, don't. Th- I do not think he's the player he is if he's playing somewhere else. I really well,
1: don't. Probably, uh, fair, but I just I don't trust that Andy Reid will ultimately end up allowing him to to have the longevity or the wins they're bringing racked up. That's all. It's just it's so hard to do it for 20 whatever years like even if he did he does win you know a second one now think about how much more he still has to go and again I just keep going back to his his style of play you know mostly I just don't know if he can keep it up for again for 20 plus years and and however many conference championships Brady's or Super Bowls Brady's been to I just don't think it's realistic
2: I think it's it's I mean it's asking a lot to get on Brady's level Brady had two sets of three super bowl titles like uh, with a pretty big time in between um and and
0: i'm glad you brought that up adam people forget that once you get past that giant super bowl in 07 they went again four years later in 2011 12. but it wasn't like there was a gap there they they only went to one after
2: 07 before they won it in 14. so I, i do i do think Mahomes is doing some things that put him more in the conversation. I wouldn't say I, I wouldn't put him ahead of Brady yet, obviously. I think but he's Mahomes. doing some things that I don't think you can ever do that. But but I mean, look, I mean everybody said he'd take a step back when they lost Tyreek Hill. And he lost Tyreek Hill and he'll put up great numbers in Miami and Mahomes is still in the Super Bowl you know like it's
0: and that's because of Andy Reid and that system I'm not taking anything away from Mahomes he's a great player and they have a really good skill group Travis Kelsey when it's all said and done might be the greatest tight end of all time my point is you I don't think he puts up these numbers playing somewhere else I don't Uh,
2: I well I'll agree with the fact that I think Andy Reid gets somewhat of a bad rap. Yeah, you have to be pretty good to be as bad as he is. You know what I mean? Like in terms of like he's he's he he's he's a great coach to get him in this position. So, um, but again, I feel like when you talk about Brady, you're talking about longevity. Like Kev said, you're talking about doing it over a certain number of years. I don't know if Mahomes is capable of that, but that's what he would have to do to sort of surpass Brady and uh but he but again, he's doing a lot of the right things. I mean he's in a lot of these big games he's making it to the cha- conference championship game Super Bowl. he's really building quite the resume.
0: He won't catch Brady but I could see him maybe winning four by the time it's all said and done maybe even five but I don't think he catches Brady um I, I just think that Brady to me I mean seven Super Bowls I mean, that's that's insane. He's the greatest winner of all time. He's the greatest quarterback of all time. My opinion is the greatest player of all time. Um, I, I don't think he catches Brady, but I, I do think he makes a run at him. Ultimately, a lot of that will depend on how healthy he stays. Who, who does he play for after Andy Reid and how long does he play for? That matters as well. So uh, I think your boy is safe stone. I, I would tend to agree with you. But. Um, I, I do think, though, people need to pump the brakes on the legend talk. It's been five years. He's, he's off to a great start. He's certainly on a Hall of Fame track. And by the time he's done, like I said, he could have four or five Super Bowls, and he could be one of the greatest of all time. He could even be top three at his position. Um, but I, I would pump the brakes on the legendary status stuff and and everything else. I think he's a media darling. The media loves him, and that's, that's fine. But I wouldn't quite put him in Canton just yet. All right, gentlemen, any final thoughts here?
2: I got nothing. Nothing. I'm all. I'm all used out.
0: You're, you're all thought out. Okay. Yeah.
2: Got to right. go
0: to bed. You got to go to bed. Yes, we all need to go to bed. All right. Well, that'll do it for this week's show. For Kevin Stone, Adam Kirchon, our partner over at Mortgage Right Herb Divine. We'll talk to you guys next week. Peace. See ya.